We are on uh, our series, Rooted, and this is a long series. It's basically a series with a multiple series within the, the series. Um, we're looking at foundations for kingdom living. And in Psalms chapter 11, verse thir- 3, it says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? See, we're in a battle. We're in a battle between good and evil, between death and life, between light and darkness. But it's not only in this world. The biggest battle that we face every single day is not in the world, but it's actually within us. We battle daily between the spirit and the flesh. That is why it's so vital to get rooted in the foundations of who we are in Christ and the new creation realities. These truths are what enable us to stand victorious in life. These these foundations are so important. Amen? So what are those foundations? As we've seen so far, it's understanding God's love for you. Understanding God's love for you. That God loves you. He initiated the relationship. You didn't choose God. He chose you. He saved you. We did not save ourselves. We didn't earn our salvation, but he saved us by the power of his right hand. And then understanding your spiritual makeup. We just finished that portion of of the series is understanding who you are in the spirit. Understanding who you are as a person. You are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. And your spirit cannot get any, when, when you are born again, your spirit cannot get any more like Jesus. And we need to start seeing ourselves in the spirit and not according to the flesh. Today we're going to be looking at uh, understanding how God sees you. Because it's one thing, the problem is, is that we don't see ourselves correctly. You see yourself in the flesh. You see yourself in your failures, your, un, your, your filthiness, your, your, your sin. You know, because Jesus saves us from sin, the noun. But how many know that Christians still do sin, the verb? You, we see ourselves in those things. And because we see ourselves in those things, then we project that onto God and say, he must see me this way. But that God does not see you in the flesh. You're going to say amen, all right. This is good news. But do you understand how, this is, how important this is? Because if you think that God sees you in your flesh, how can you have faith towards God? How can you believe in his love? When you don't even love yourself. It's interesting that we are supposed to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. Apparently, the world doesn't love themselves very much. God loves us. God sees us in the spirit. And we're going to be talking about that over the next coming weeks. Then we're going to move on to understanding your identity in Christ. And then understanding the true nature of God. And then understanding your spiritual spiritual authority. If we, these, are, these are foundations that we have to continually, continually renew our mind to. And we're going to grow in these all the days that we walk this, this earth. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you're a good God, that you love us, that you have predestined us to be magnified and glorified in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you. 
that you see us in truth. You see us in spirit. Renew our minds to that this morning. That you're not mad at us. That you're not even in a bad mood. You've had one, not one negative thought towards us. Awaken us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So we need to be rooted and grounded in understanding how God sees us. How God sees us. Do you know that if you really think about it, God has always seen you in Christ Jesus. God has never seen you in your sin. Do you know from the foundation of the earth, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth? I'm getting, kind of getting way ahead of myself, but that, that just popped in me right now. That God has always seen you in Christ Jesus. He, that, that whole predestined thing, that's what, it is. that's what predestination is. We are predestined to be in Christ. And Jesus Christ is the predestined one. See, now, now, now that we know who we are in the spirit, we now need to realize, we should realize that's how God sees us. Look at what John says. In John chapter 4, verse 24, this is Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman. He says, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. It goes on to say, he goes on to say, this is how the Father longs for them to worship him. In spirit and in truth. See, once you're born again, you can respond back to God, worship him out of your spirit, out of the spirit of truth, of who you are in the spirit, not of the flesh, not even of the religious flesh. God wants to see you in the spirit. He wants you to worship him in the spirit. So when God looks at us, he's looking at our spirit, not the flesh. And this is powerful. This is powerful because we need to understand this. When God looks at you, he is not seeing you in your flesh. He sees you in your spirit. God sees you in the spirit, but because we don't see ourselves in the spirit, we think that God that God is disgusted, disappointed with us because he's looking at the flesh like we do. That he's judging us according to the flesh. Have you ever just been disappointed and frustrated with yourself? Have you? I have. Have you ever been disappointed and frustrated with yourself? You know why? Because you're looking at yourself in the flesh. See, this, this is a whole renewing of the mind, of seeing yourself the way God sees you. Seeing yourself in the spirit. Seeing yourself in the new creation. We see ourselves according to the flesh all the time. If we could start seeing ourselves as we are in the spirit of Christ, those actions that are so disappointing in our flesh would become fewer and fewer. God is not disappointed with you. 
If God was disappointed with you, he would, would have to be disappointed with Jesus. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. I know that religion teaches you different. It's a pastor's job to make you feel like God's disappointed with you. It's to make you feel like, oh, just worms in the ground and no good and unworthy. Get the altars filled. Get you up here crying. It's not coming out your nose. But that's not going to free anyone. God is not disappointed with you. So many brothers and sisters feel miserable about themselves because, because the person they want to see, they want to be, seems so far away. But the truth is, you are already perfect. You are, you are the person that you want to be in Christ Jesus now. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? All sin and failure is times in our lives that we failed to believe the truth of who we are in Christ. I'm talking about the born-again Christian. You know, sinners are sin. You should never get mad at a sinner for sinning because he's doing what he was born to do. But you're no longer sinners, you're saints. Now glorify God in your body. And then when you fail to glorify God in your body, guess what? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. It makes intercession for the saints. And we are cleansed by his blood, perpetual. We're under the waterfall of cleansing. So we see ourselves, we see ourselves in the flesh. And all sin is just a failure to see ourselves in our true nature in Christ Jesus. But there's something even worse than this. Religion teaches us that it's horrible. It teaches us to start comparing ourselves amongst ourselves. We compare each other in the flesh. The Corinthian church, Paul talks to them about this. And when we start comparing ourselves amongst ourselves, that causes strife. It causes envy. Um, people actually become judgmental and, and gossips. I don't know if you ever knew that. that some churches, they become judgmental and gossips in there. Right? They will backstab and cause divisions and splits because they are comparing themselves among themselves instead of seeing themselves in Christ Jesus. Because we compare ourselves with ourselves, we think that God is comparing you with others. There was a dream. I heard a pastor said he had a dream, and, and when he went to... He dreamed that he was going to heaven, and as he, as he got to the judgment seat of, of God, he, he started thinking, he started panicking, kind of. He, he started thinking about great men of faith, Elijah, Moses, you know, he, he's, and then people from his day of, of, of Billy Graham and, and uh, um, just di different people that did mighty works for God. And, and this pastor started panicking, and he's thinking, what's, what's going to happen when I get to the throne of God? God's going to ask me. He's going to ask me, 
why wasn't I like them? Why wasn't I more like them? And he gets to the gets to the throne of God and God looks at him and he doesn't say, why were you more like them? He says, why weren't you you? Why weren't you who I created you to be? See, God has created us all with a purpose, with a destiny, with, with things that he has called us to do. And he is not comparing us with others. He's comparing us to, are we fulfilling the thing that he's called us to do? Are we doing what God has called us to do? And it doesn't matter if you're, if you're one or you're 101. God has something for you to do. Because we compare ourselves with ourselves, we think that God is comparing us with others, that God doesn't love me or hear my prayers or won't bless me. He won't bless me as much as Pastor Tom. Because Pastor Tom's awesome. And I'm not nearly as awesome as Pastor Tom. This is the way we think. We think that God loves other people, that God cares for other people, that God's going to bless other people because of how we see them in the flesh. When God looks at us, he is never disappointed. He was always excited. He's always excited. Stop basing your relationship with God based on someone else's relationship with God. Say this with me. When God looks at me, he's not disappointed. When God looks at me, he gets excited. Let's say it one more time. When God looks at me, he's not disappointed. When God looks at me, he gets excited. God gets excited when he looks at you. When we have faith in who we are in Christ, that is when our Father is pleased. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, Ephesians is such an awesome book. You know, the first half of Ephesians is talking about all the things that we are in Christ Jesus, and the, the second half of Ephesians is talking about what it looks like to live that out. But in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, it says, In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Question, when do you receive an inheritance? Exactly. It's not when we die, is it? You don't receive an inheritance when we die. See, most Christians think that it's when they die and go to heaven, that's when they're going to get their inheritance. That's when I'll be healed. That's when I'll be blessed. That's when I'll be delivered. That's, that's when I will, that's, that's not how an inheritance works. <laughs> an inheritance works not when you die, but when someone else dies. When someone else dies, you receive an inheritance. And I don't know if you know this or not, but we had a very, very, very wealthy 
older brother. What's even greater is that not only did Jesus die, but he also raised again to be the mediator of our inheritance, to make sure that we get what he died to give us. See, the problem is, is we, we, we see ourselves in the flesh all the time. We see ourselves in our, in, 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 as, remember a couple weeks ago when we had the volunteers up here, and one represented the spirit, one represented the flesh, and we always have the flesh in front of us. The flesh is always on the forefront. And we're constantly looking at the flesh. And because we're constantly looking at the flesh, we think that God's constantly looking at the flesh. See, God gets excited about, about you because, because of the potential that is in you. The potential that is in your spirit. See, you partake of this inheritance by looking at the spirit and by appropriating it by faith. You understand that? Faith doesn't make it happen. Faith believes it happened. Not by looking at your flesh. We look at, I'm saying this over and over again because this is, it's just constant in our, in our minds. How do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? Think about this. I'm not talking about this Sunday morning after the pastor told me to say these words. I'm talking about when you're driving in your car by yourself, when you're in the shower, when, you, when you're alone and, and thoughts come in about your past, about what you just did this morning. What, what, how, do you, how do you see yourself? Most, most see themselves in the flesh, and the flesh is on the forefront, and the spirit is in the back. Spiritual things are in the back. The flesh is on the front. And we need to turn, as I showed in that example when we had we have to turn from the flesh to the Spirit. To the Spirit. Some of us see ourselves in our past and disqualify ourselves. Some of us think that our past has disqualified ourselves. Some of, some of us think that your age disqualifies you. See, we need to see ourselves in our predestined self. You don't need to see yourself in the past. You don't need to see yourself in who you are now. You need to see yourself in your predestined state. And what is your predestined self? That we would be conformed to the image of Christ. We are predestined. God predestined us to be conformed into the very image of Christ. And when did he do that? When we get to heaven? No, when you're born again. We have received that inheritance. That's how God sees you. But most of us, most of us approach God like the prodigal son. You know, the, 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 the parable that Jesus taught about the prodigal son, we, it just shows us how much we focus on who we are in the flesh rather than how God sees us. Because we even call it the parable of the prodigal son. It should not be called the, pro, the parable of the prodigal son. It should be the parable of the good father. It should be the parable of the good father. 
Because this is not about how we see ourselves. This parable is about how God sees you, how the Father sees you. And you guys know the story. In Luke chapter 15, verse 18, this, this, this son was giving something precious. He was given his inheritance, he was, and, and he went and just spent it on, on riotous living, and there became a, a depression in the, a famine in the land. And he ended up joining himself to Gentiles and started feeding pigs. And he got so hungry that he, he, got, he got so hungry that the slop that he was feeding the pigs actually looked good to eat. And he came to himself. And he says, I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired hands. Have you ever done that? God, I just failed too much. God, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not worthy to be your son. I'm not worthy. But just have the grace to let me come in, back into your household. We've all done that. We've all thought that we weren't worthy. We've all put this speech together to talk to God about who we are in the flesh. And in verse 20 it says, And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him. Compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. There's so much, there's so much in this, this in this parable. Do you, do you know the father, the father was waiting. He was looking for his son to come home, for his daughter to come home. And you know when Jesus said that the father ran to his son? You know, in this day and age, we think that's no big deal. But in that culture, in the clothing that they had to wear, they literally had to, because they wore long skirt type things. They didn't wear pants like we did. And the father would have to bunch up that skirt and pull it up between his legs showing his bare legs, and he would have to ran holding that skirt, skirt between his legs. In that, in that time, that was shameful to show your legs like that. It, it was shameful to run in Jesus' times. The father doesn't worry about looking bad. For his kids. He bunches up his tunic. Is that what they, what, I don't know what they're called. Seems like if you're preparing for a message, you at least find out what you're talking about. <laughs> but he bunches it up and he's running, he's running to his son. And here's this son that joined himself to Gentiles. That was, a, that was, that riotous living and living in sin and not only that but actually lived with the pigs do you know in jesus times he would have been considered unclean 
And what does a good, good father do? He grabs him. He embraces him. He kisses him. He kisses him. Notice like us, like the son, we, he rehearses to his father who he is in the flesh, but he forgets that his identity, he rehearses who he is to, in the flesh to his father, forgetting that his identity all along was that of a son. In verse 22, what the father said to him, said to his servants. Notice he started rehearsing. He started telling, giving his speech to the father, and the father just cuts him off. He cuts him off. He was not going to listen. The father's not going to listen to who he was in the flesh. He's not going to listen to it. He says, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this is my son, this son, (laughs) this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and found and they began to be merry. When the sun came over the horizon, he looked like a bum. He looked like a tramp. He looked like something. He was malnutritioned. He was he 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 was dirty. He he smelled like pigs. I don't know if you ever smelled pigs before. But he, when he ran into his father, like that, he looked like a rich man's son. He covered him with his robe. He put the ring on his finger and new sandals on his feet. Our Heavenly Father clothes us in his robe of righteousness. You can't see the pig feeder anymore. You see the righteous child of God. You can't see the shame. You can't see the disqualification. He's clothed you. He's clothed you in the robe of righteousness. I mean, can you imagine what he looked like when he first showed up? And in a blink of an eye, all that changed. The Father was showing him who he's always been and who he was predestined to be. That's how God sees sees you. That's how God sees you. In an instant, he was transformed. He, 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 he put a ring on his finger. Do you know what that ring signified? His authority. He, you ever hear of a signet ring? They'd sign letters and put their signet ring into the wax. That this has the authority of the Father. He put a ring on his finger. He put sandals on his feet. And, the, and those sandals, those sandals weren't, weren't just talking about, it was just not signifying um, who, he, who he is, but it also signified that he was separating him from the, the earth. Sandals, the sandals separated him. The sun was separated. He was made holy. He was sanctified. He was set apart that, that he was in this world, but he was not of this world, and that his resources in this world came from another world, came from heaven. 
In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12, it says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their, and their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. This is a little embarrassing. The scripture that I was going to use for, for this right here was uh, not in the Bible. Have you ever heard someone say, and I've said it, that he has thrown our sins into the sea of forgetfulness? I looked, that's not in the Bible. It does say that he's separated our sins as far as the east is from the west, but nowhere in the Bible does it say that he's thrown our sins in the sea of forgetfulness. There's a little information for you. That's something that we made up. Sounds good, though. And it's probably true. It's true. Right? What's that? Yeah. It, not according to me. You guys have all said it, too. So I don't... <laughs> For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. You know, there's a thing about God. He's amazing. God is amazing. All, every aspect of him is perfect. But I've just found one flaw in God. I found one flaw in God. And that flaw is, is he can't remember sin. He's got a bad memory when it comes to sin. God does not see you in sin, but in Jesus, in the righteousness of Christ. When you pray, when you pray, you are in, are you in faith or are you in the flesh? When you pray to God, do you see yourself in the spirit or do you see yourself in the flesh? Do you see yourself as the way the Father sees you or do you see yourself the way that you see you? In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, it says, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. We talked about this on Wednesday night, that God is passionately jealous for humanity. And, he, and anything that comes in between that relationship between him and you gets him fired up, gets him angry. He says, For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. God does not want anything distorting our relationship with him. That's why he destroyed sin, death and the grave. Jesus did it all. Jesus did it all of this. But we still let it get in the way of us communing with God through unbelief. Jesus destroyed sin. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. He destroyed the grave. He destroyed death. But we still allow all of those things to get in the way of our relationship with God through unbelief. Do you see how much the Christian Christianity is about faith and not about works? It's about believing, not about doing. God sees you in the spirit. It's how God sees you. And that's how God sees you. The problem is, is how do you see yourself? We need to start seeing ourselves in the spirit. 
In Titus chapter 3, verse 5, it says, But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior towards man, appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of the regeneration, regeneration of the, and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should, know, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We have been justified. We've been cleansed. Do you know what being justified means? Justified, never sinned. Just as if I never sinned, you've been justified. So we're getting ready to close, and I'm going to ask Alicia to come up here. And we're going to say goodbye in just a minute to our live stream audience. But I want to ask a couple questions. What would your faith look like? What would your faith be like towards God? If we truly believed what we heard today, if we truly believed and seen ourselves the way that God sees us, what would your relationship with God be like if we seen ourselves this way? What would our lives look like if we seen ourselves the way that God sees us? You know, Andrew Walmack has a saying, and it's called effortless change. You've been changed in Christ Jesus. And it took no effort on your part. But even though it's not any effort on our part, for some reason, it's still so hard to believe, to trust that God has done it all, that you are not a prodigal son, not a prodigal daughter, but you've been accepted in the Beloved that you have a robe of righteousness. The problem is, is that we open it up. Instead of having that robe of righteousness on, we go before God and we say, God, yeah, but look at all this, look at this, look at this. And God doesn't see that. He won't see it. We are clothed in the robe of righteousness. We have a ring of authority on our hands. We have been shod with the sandals separating us from this world. This is how God sees us. So many of us are not enjoying our relationship with God because we do not see ourselves the way that God sees us. So this is the first installment of this portion of the series. And 
We're just getting started. But I just want you to start renewing your mind through the week that God is not disappointed with me. That God, when He looks at me, He gets excited. Some of us had to say that by faith. Some of us said that in unbelief. That you didn't really believe it. You just said it because I asked you to say it. Well, maybe you need to say it until you start believing it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great love for us. We thank you that you see us in spirit and you see us in truth. You see us who we are in the new, new creation. You see us who we are in the spirit of God. And you see us in the truth of who we are in Christ Jesus. And you refuse to see us any other way. So this morning we just ask that you would renew our minds. That we would believe the truth of who we are in Christ Jesus. That we would believe that all of our sins, past, present, and future, have been, that you've, you've forgiven them and you've forgotten them. That you've separated them from us as far as the east is from the west. And Holy Spirit, we spoke the word of God this morning. And we trust that the seed of the word of God is producing faith in the hearts of your church that's going to grow up into trees of righteousness bearing fruit for the nations. May we be those fruitful trees planted by the rivers of living waters. And as we worship you this morning, as we close in worship, as we celebrate you, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here to do a work in us, in our hearts and in our minds that only you can do. That you've given us images and dreams and visions of, of who we are in Christ. We just love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.